This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby has the day off, and what a beautiful day it is here in the city. If you are out and about, enjoy. Today marks the first day of the new mandatory alcohol screening legislation in this country. Officers can now ask drivers to blow into a breathalyzer if they've stopped them lawfully for another offense. What do you think? Will this cut down on impaired driving offenses across the country and ultimately reduce injuries and death? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740 or toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt is on the line with us to discuss the new legislation, as is Dylan Finley, criminal defense lawyer with Oikman Criminal Defense. Welcome both. Good morning. Thanks for having us, I should say. Sergeant Schmidt, uh, I think you've been up uh, probably as long as I have today, maybe longer. Have have there been any changes of note that you've witnessed so far on day one? Well, the the changes are the legislation, and and that's what we're trying to announce and let people understand uh, how uh, we will be doing our work and our job and uh, and the provision that uh, you may be asked for a breath sample when you're part of a... uh, traffic investigation or a traffic stop with an officer, they have the ability to now uh, demand a breath sample without having suspicion. So if there's uh, any reason, maybe you've been involved in a car crash, uh, maybe there's something that just doesn't seem right, and uh, the officer may not be able to determine whether or not there's alcohol coming from your breath because you've got a mouthful of, of breath mints and the car is full of air fresheners, but uh, they can still demand that uh, breast sample just to be certain that there is uh, no alcohol as a contributing factor in maybe whatever the circumstances is that we're investigating. What are you hearing from fellow officers? Is this a welcome change? Is this legislation they wish that they had had before today? Well, I, I, um, yeah, do you know what? I think there's uh, support. It's one more tool that allows us to make sure we get the job done. We know that when we do our festive ride check, uh, very often maybe half or more of uh, drivers who have been drinking escape detection because uh, either they mask it, uh, we can't uh, get that smell because of uh, the weather conditions, uh, you know, trying to get your head into another vehicle to smell someone's breath uh, can be difficult. And, uh, and with this provision, we are allowed, we're able to uh, make those demands and uh, we can do just completely random uh, ride sample test, test. Okay, you know, the so next, the next five cars you yeah. know, are going to get tested. Let's see what they have. Just like airport screeners or at the customs when you get the screen for secondary as a random check. So just to clarify, up until today at the ride spot checks, you could not necessarily ask for a breath sample unless you had suspicion of the individual drinking. That's right. We needed to have some suspicion that there was uh, alcohol or presence of alcohol in their body. And uh, based on their admission or on smell or whatever the indicia that we recognized, 
Uh, now that is no longer required. Obviously, if there is indicia, uh, that will just kind of continue to go to the offense or towards the evidence of a potential impaired driving offense if that is, in fact, uh, what's happening. Sergeant Schmidt, I mean, it's pretty early in the day and pretty early in this new legislation, but have you heard any stories yet of OPP officers implementing the new law so that they can get breath samples? Yeah, I've been so busy with doing all kinds of other things. I I haven't heard any feedback yet, but I'm sure it's happening uh, somewhere across the province right now as we speak. Fines have gone up as well, yes? Uh, Absolutely. So there's minimum fines that have have changed as well. Um, People that register uh, fail and register over the legal limit, automatic minimum fines from the federal government. There's also provincial legislation that goes into into supporting uh, the federal legislation, but a $1,000 minimum fine for anyone blowing between 80 milligrams and 120, and that rises as as your blood alcohol concentration rises. And if you refuse to uh, provide a breath sample, uh, that is a criminal offense as well. And minimum penalties of $2,000 monetary plus a, a criminal record will be uh, attached to your, rec- your, uh, your name. I want to get to our criminal lawyer here in just a moment as well. But Sergeant Schmidt, this is, this is not the first time this type of alcohol testing screening legislation has gone into effect. It's in place in a number of countries around the world. And it seems to have a very positive effect on bringing down uh, the impaired driving charges. This actually works. Well, this is our, our end goal. What we're trying to do is make our highway safe. We're not trying to do, uh, no, we're not trying to be unreasonable and, and do, uh, you know, random checks on, on drivers who, who think they're being uh, profiled. It's, this, is not, this is not a tool that uh, is, is going to be used uh, for nefarious purposes. This is for everyone's safety. We're sharing the road with everybody. And when you come across a ride check, you want to, you want to feel confident that the drivers ahead of you that have been screened have been screened and, and they are safe and sober. And, and sometimes there may be impaired drivers and drivers with alcohol that escape detection. And this is one tool that we can use that uh, will help us making, make sure and provide and give confidence to the public that, yes, indeed, the highways are safe and, and the people on the roads are being tested and, and that, uh, you know, I don't want a drunk driver in front of me. And even if they register under the legal limit, there's provisions for young, novice, and commercial drivers with zero tolerance. And so they don't, aren't allowed to have any amount of alcohol because we know even a small amount can, uh, can change a person's uh, decision-making ability and reaction times and, and all sorts of uh, uh, in, um, you know, physical abilities mm-hmm. as, uh, as they're drinking and as they're driving. So you know, this is a, a public safety concern, and I think we should all applaud the fact that we have these tools to do our job. And I'd like to put this question to you, the Zoomer radio listener, whether you think that this new legislation, this new mandatory screening will cut down on impaired driving offenses across the country and ultimately reduce injuries and death. And while you're considering that question, consider this information. Uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving spokesperson who was on the show a couple of weeks ago told us about the program in Ireland, which was implemented in 2006 when there were 18,000 
thousand charges, impaired driving charges, that year. And by 2015, after all of those years of this type of screening, that number was down to 7,000. How can you dispute those kinds of stats and saying that this is not going to work? I want to hear from you. 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-744-740. Before we go to the phones, Dylan Finley is on the line with us, criminal defense lawyer. Uh, Dylan, may I call you Dylan? Yes, you may. The federal justice minister has said she expects this law will be challenged in court, but that it will hold up. What do you say to that? I disagree. Um, I know I understand this argument about how it may decrease uh, impaired driving, but we have to ask ourselves, how far are we willing to sacrifice our privacy to and our charter rights to in, in pursuit of that goal? So I, I think a lot of people would have problems with uh, a ride program they're going through. They have no problem answering a few questions, but if they're asked and they haven't been drinking and there's no reasonable suspicion that they've been drinking, to provide a sample of their breath into a breathalyzer and then to be threatened with a criminal offense of failing or, or refusing to provide a sample if either they can't provide a sample or they refuse to provide a sample, then they'd be brought into the criminal system. Um, I think a lot of people would have a lot of problems with that. And in Canada, of course, we do have a charter right to be free from unreasonable search or seizure. And, and this is an unreasonable search, in my opinion. Is this not for the greater good, though? If you have nothing to hide and you are, in fact, telling the truth, then giving a breath sample should, should not be a concern. Well, unfortunately, there's quite a lot of laws that um, may be for the greater good, but are contrary to our charter rights. For example, you could install an interlock device like a breathalyzer in every single person's vehicle and Mm -hmm. only allow them to start their car if they blew into the device. Now, I would say that's against charter rights as well, Um, and that would certainly decrease impaired driving. But, of course, uh, uh, people wouldn't like that. So, like every case, it's a balancing test. When do you see this legislation uh, working, and when don't you see it working? For the mandatory alcohol screening, uh, I don't see it working. I see it as a serious charter infringement. You think in every case that uh, that individuals charged in this way will have uh, will have a loophole to get out of it? Well, no. In some cases, the officer may indeed have reasonable suspicion. In that case, if he has reasonable suspicion, mm-hmm. he could still demand a breath sample under the current legislation, and that is still allowed. But in cases where the officer says, then I ask for mandatory alcohol uh, tests, uh, yes, I believe there would be a charter challenge in that case. Now, I'm not sure if it necessarily be thrown out right away. A few people who are either unlucky or unlucky uh, may find their way, their case to the Supreme Court. Um, but yes, that certainly would uh, be an issue. Dylan Finley, are you familiar with how this has held up in court in other countries where they have this type of screening? No, I'm not uh, familiar with Ireland's jurisprudence, but I would note that uh, those countries uh, don't have the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Okay, fair enough. Let's go to the phones now and get your opinion on the new mandatory impaired driving screening. Let's go to William in Toronto. Hi, William. You're on Fight Back. Hi. Hi, Jean. Um, This is a serious erosion of, of privacy uh, and there's has to be better ways of doing this. Uh, I can say that uh, the uh, the death penalty to every drunk driver uh, is uh, to be implemented, and that would solve it. But that's not the way to do it, and neither is this. You need to provide education, and you need to provide other penalties, uh, not invasion of, of the person's uh, uh, privacy. Uh, 
Now, what is a lawful reason? We don't know. There's not a list of lawful reasons. In order to be lawful reason, they have to be listed somewhere as lawful reasons. So this goes back to the, the discretion of the officer. And uh, uh, quite frankly, uh, with all the problems the police uh, have been having uh, lately, they're on the news and people complaining about this and that all the time. I don't trust the police to do this. And... Um, uh, they'll just take it out of context. Uh, you can see the writing on the wall already. And what about the cleanliness of all these things? Taking blood samples and taking breath samples. Yeah, and and this and that. Oh, and well, let me let me. Okay. The, one more one. Uh-huh. Quick one. Whatever happened to the walking the straight line test? What's wrong with uh, pulling you out of your car and asking you to walk a straight line and uh, if you like they did before and okay. if you, you know so okay. uh, this is horrifying situation and it has the results have to be uh uh, drunk drivers have to be dealt with in a different way. All right, William, I'm, I'm going to let you go so that I can get Sergeant Schmidt to answer your many comments and questions there. I, Sergeant Schmidt, the, the things that I heard were more education for drivers. Um, I think we see that that has not worked out well over the last decades. And also uh, the concerns there about the sanitary conditions of the breathalyzer and walking the straight line. Well, sure. But the, our standard field sobriety testing uh, is what we do right now, and we're training all our officers to, <clears throat> to uh, be able to do those tests, uh, walk the straight line, the physical coordination tests, uh, and, and that's what's happening uh, right now. I, I'd like to ask the, the caller there as well. Let's say he was involved in a car crash, and um, he, uh, he believes the driver behind uh, him who hit him was drunk or had been drinking. And uh, he tells the officer that when they arrive uh, a little while later, and the officer goes to talk to him, they're outside, and he, he just can't get a sense of, uh, of uh, alcohol coming from his breath because it's uh, windy and raining or something like that. And, uh, and so the officer can't quite get that uh, impression down, but you're adamant that he's been drinking. Well, This it, will it, allow us yes. to say, well, you've been involved in a crash. Here we go. You're stopped here. Let's Let's just validate make sure you have not been drinking i don't have suspicion that you've been drinking but let's just you can prove to yourself or prove to the driver that you haven't been or or the person who is uh, uh, claiming that he has been drinking well maybe we'll we'll get that information that evidence that will lead us down a road that will assist us in the investigation the fact that he's uh, crashed his car uh, may be one part of the uh, component but if he's not showing indicia of impairment now there's, uh, we need to go down other avenues, and maybe we don't have a charge. But uh, if you, keep in mind, if he's a young or a novice driver, there is zero alcohol that is permitted any, at any time. The, uh, the test can be done. It, it takes about three seconds to do the test. You're blowing through a straw. Uh, the, the mouthpieces are all sealed in plastic. Mm-hmm. We give you a brand-new one. You break the seal, you put it on the machine, you blow into the, into, the res- into the device, and within 10 seconds we'll have the results. And let me put this to our criminal defense lawyer, Dylan Finley, today. The legislation is based on the presumption that police officers want to keep us safe. They want to ensure that impaired drivers are not on the roads, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose, yes. Well, based on that, 
wouldn't that be uh, an argument for uh, the lawyers representing the police officers in court that this officer is simply doing his or her job to make sure that's not the case that we well, have impaired true. drivers on the road? Past individual police officers, they all have a job to do. I understand that, but I think there's a real problem with this law that for any reason a police officer can lawfully stop someone, and the law is essentially that. Police officers can stop people randomly to check their sobriety. Now, that doesn't go as far as demanding a breath sample. So in cases where without any suspicion at all, they demand a breath sample, again, that's a breach of their charter right to be free from unreasonable search and seizure. Now, if I may comment on one thing that the officer just mentioned, um, this situation about an accident. Smell of alcohol or admission of alcohol doesn't have to be the reasonable suspicion. Bad driving could be a reasonable suspicion that the person has alcohol in their body. So um, I appreciate the example that there's been a car crash, but uh, this will play out in situations where there's not even that, where people could just be stopped at a a standard holiday ride check and asked, hey, um, what's your name? Okay, please blow into this device. And I think that will really resonate with people that that's unfair um, on behalf of the police officers. All right, let's go back to the phones. Jerry in Toronto, go ahead. You're up next. Yes, I, I think it's a very unreasonable law. <clears throat> Excuse me. I spent a number of years on Toronto's police department a number of years ago. And uh, if the police officer has reasonable and probable grounds to believe the driver's impaired, then give him the tests. Uh, don't tell me I don't care whether he's standing out in a monsoon that if he's that impaired, you can't smell alcohol. And I certainly don't agree with the sergeant saying there may not be anything we can charge him with. If there's an accident, there's always a person at fault. There's always a section in the bylaw or Highway Traffic Act to make an at-fault determination that doesn't require alcohol. You don't want to end up in a police state here. Uh, if they don't have reasonable and probable grounds, I, th- I do agree with the lawyer. It's a violation of my charter rights, and they shouldn't be allowed to do it. Okay, Jerry, thanks for your call. Uh, Sergeant Schmidt, what we're hearing so far from people is that you can find suspicion of impaired driving uh, in, in any situation or in most situations or when it is likely, so that this doesn't really provide uh, more ammunition uh, uh, in trying to nab somebody for impaired when you when you don't have a suspicion. What we're hearing is that there's always a suspicion. Well, yeah, that may be what uh, he's saying right now, but when it comes to me st- testifying on the stand that I had suspicion that he was impaired because he caused a car crash, uh, I'm going to be challenged on that yeah. on the stand, and I'll have to defend why I believe he had suspicion. This will allow me to uh, to get that information, and if they blow... Under the legal limit, they're good to go. They're going to continue on their own. And if they don't, uh, again, obviously, then they're blowing, then they're well in excess of what they should be. And uh, the, uh, the investigation will continue. Okay, back to the phones quickly before we change topics. Dan in Elmwood, you're up next. Good day. Hi, what's your opinion on this? Well, I had a friend of mine get killed by a drunk driver. So, uh, well, it's actually murdered by a drunk driver, we'll say. Right. And uh, so, yeah, my, my opinion is different from most of those opinions. And as far as that lawyer goes, um, one of his concerns that he's not telling you about, I'm sure, is a loss of big, in, uh, big income. And then these, this charter, these charter rights uh, guys, uh, I think she should have had the charter right to watch her children grow up. And May I respond to that? And the charter right 
to uh, not lose their mother to that impaired driver. Okay, Dan, I, I'm sorry to hear about your friend, truly. Uh, the lawyer does want to respond, so I'll let you go. And, and uh, Dylan, go ahead. Well, uh, two things. First of all, this whole mandatory alcohol screening, I, I believe that a lot more people will be charged with failing or refusing to provide a sample. So I expect more clients. But mo- second of all, there was a mention earlier, caller mentioned something about education and how I think there was a comment about how it didn't work. In fact, I think that education is the only thing that works. Um, the impaired driving rates have been going down for several years now, uh, a decade, in fact, or, or so. And it's not because of higher and higher uh, uh, penalties. It's because MAD and all these other groups have done a great job informing people about how bad um, impaired driving is and, and what a danger it causes. Lena, in Etobicoke, you're our last call on this. Go ahead. Hi. Um, so I'm a younger listener, um, so I'll kind of speak from the sort of 20-something-year-old's perspective. Um, I'm not a drinker at all, and I think that the idea that this would be upsetting to people because it's uh, breaking a human right or something to ask for us to breathe into a tube, I don't agree with that at all. If I was driving home from work today as a girl who's just been at work and doesn't drink ever, if a a police officer asked me to blow into a tube, I would have no issue with that because I would feel good about it because I know that they're asking everybody to do that. And that means that the person behind me has been drinking. They might not rear end me and cause an accident or do something else of the sort. So uh, I think this is a great idea and I think it will like lessen the amount of impaired driving there is. And I also feel that anyone who, or I guess I shouldn't say, I feel this, like this is my sort of gut feeling when I hear someone arguing with this and saying, oh, it's horrible, it's horrible. I feel though as though maybe those people are sometimes folks who maybe are taking the risk and drinking and driving a little bit. Because why, would, why else would you be upset about blowing into a tube for the safety of everybody else on the road and children walking down the street and everything like that? Why would you be mad about blowing into a tube when it's to keep everybody safe? Lena, I thank you for calling in. We really appreciate your perspective. Thank you. And to OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt and criminal defense lawyer Dylan Finley, thank you both for your time. Thank My you. pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.